welcome back to the Be The Benchmark podcast. I am Erin Tarr, your host, and I'm so glad that you have chosen to listen today. As I'm recording this, we are still in the midst of this stay-at-home mandate uh, because of coronavirus. And so I hope if you're listening while we're still under that stay-at-home mandate that you are doing well, that you are staying healthy, that you are getting the help that you need uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, and if you're not, I just want to encourage you to reach out to somebody and find lifelines to help because this is a tricky time for all of us. This is, as Brene Brown would call it, an FFT, um, a messed up first time, (laughs) and none of us know how to navigate this, and so I just want to encourage you to do that. And... Today, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into Untangled, guiding teenagers through the seven transitions into adulthood, and we're on chapter six, Entering the Romantic World, so stay tuned for that. Entering the Romantic World, we are on chapter six of the book Untangled, and this is one that I think is sets an alarm bell for a lot of parents, right? So their daughters have been developing normally, their relationships, you know, are rocky here and there, but then all of a sudden, when it comes to quote unquote dating or talking to or hanging out with specific people in a romantic way, parents get freaked out. And I think that's completely normal and that's what we're going to talk about today and so what she starts off with is just talking coming back to the privacy issue that we discussed a few episodes ago that sometimes girls can be intensely private about romantic activity and may not talk with their families or even their friends about their emerging love lives and i know that that was me i was pretty open with my parents in general about life but when it came to like having crushes on boys or uh, feeling like I wanted to date someone or even if I was dating someone, I was very low-key about it. I found ways to make sure that they knew because I had two sisters and so they could tell my parents or you know things like that but I personally had no desire to talk to my parents about romantic relationships at all and I don't know if that's, I mean, according to Lisa Dumore, who works with a lot of girls, she says that is very common. So my experience was very common. It was very embarrassing to me. I feel like part of the reason that is, and for those of you with younger kids, maybe this will be helpful, is that growing up, I felt like I'd constantly been teased about boys. There was always a teasing nature. There was always something funny about it. And that made me, I think, a little bit apprehensive to when I really did feel like I was kind of working my way into that dating world, which started in junior high-ish. I didn't feel like that was something that I wanted to be teased about or talked to about, and so I just didn't talk about it. Uh, Some statistics that you might find interesting that she lists, and this book is several years old now so I don't know if these statistics have been updated but as of the writing of this book uh, nationally only 3% of girls have had sexual intercourse by age 13 but 
by the first year of high school, that number jumps to 28%. So over a quarter of the population by the time they're freshmen in high school, 42% by sophomore year, 54% by junior year. So over half of the kids, statistically speaking, in your child's high school have had sexual intercourse. And, oh no, this is just girls. I don't know about boys, this is just girls. Over half the girls in the high school and 63% by senior year. So that is kind of just the numbers talking of what we're looking at. And I don't say that to scare you, but what she wants to talk about is that this entering the romantic world, it ramps up quickly. So once girls start dating and talking about dating and having you know crushes on boys and things like that, it goes quickly and that's kind of what the statistics indicate right so you know 13 between the ages of 13 and 18 you see just a huge transformation from 3% of girls all the way to 63% of girls um, having sex so that's kind of what happens with your daughter too not to say that she definitely will or won't have sex but that her development will be quick within those five years and so you gotta pay attention and hang on uh, and so the main point of the entire chapter, and this is something that I, this is a chapter that I feel so lucky to have read when my kids were still young, is the entire thrust of the chapter is talking about how to help your daughter understand what she wants out of romantic relationships. And literally, that is the underlining factor I could stop the episode right here and I won't because I'm gonna give you some tips and some helpful information about how to do that but understanding what she wants out of romantic relationships and any relationship really in my opinion is key and so I literally this is diff going away from the book for a minute I have been talking to my daughters about quote-unquote dating since they were four five and six years old I've been talking about what dating means what it looks like what the purposes of it are what how those align with our family values and trying to give them a just really solid foundation of why you would date someone what that would look like these types of things uh, and I say this because I talk to so many junior high and early high school girls that talk about dating. And I'm like, hmm, tell me about what dating looks like. Well, for most of them, it means they text, honestly. They text back and forth. Occasionally, they hang out. And when they do hang out, you know, um, they're like watching a movie. They're not talking. And... While I'm all for, you know, texting and hanging out and having conversations and those types of things, what I have expressed to my daughters specifically is the whole process of dating is trying to figure out the type of person that you would eventually, potentially, maybe want to spend the rest of your life with. So it's not about finding the person in junior high or high school. Some people do, I tell them that, in full disclosure, some people do, but most people don't. And so if you can go into the process of quote unquote dating with this mindset of, 
I'm looking for the types of qualities that I think would be good in a lifelong mate, that's kind of your first step. And I said, the only way you're going to figure that out is if you have legitimate conversations with this person. So definitely being able to communicate with them about likes and dislikes and dreams and goals and all these types of things are things that would contribute in a healthy way to figuring out what you want and what they want and if those things would match up in the future. Uh, so when I quiz a lot of girls about when they tell me they're dating someone, I'm appropriately excited in the sense of like, oh, that's great for you. But then I ask a lot of questions that make them very uncomfortable. I'm like, can you tell me what it is about this person that makes you want to date them? Or can you tell me what dating looks like for you? Can you paint a picture for me so I understand what that looks like? And they get very uncomfortable. And I say, and now why this person? Because sometimes, a lot of times right now, dating is between people who never see each other. People who met at camp and then they have a purely online or text relationship. Or even, I have a couple girls who play uh, video games where you can chat in the video games and they are looking to quote unquote date people that are in video games. And I'm telling them, and what I'm asking partly is, what makes you dating them different than just having a strong friendship with them? Because what makes this romantic versus not romantic? You know, and so I'm not in any way trying to tell them that what they're doing is wrong, but I am trying to help them question what society has told us dating looks like or what relationships should be, and then question what their motives and their intentions are so that they can truly, like Lisa Demore says, define what they want out of these relationships. And so that was my little sidebar, which was kind of long, but, um, some other things that Lisa <laughs> mentions in regards to entering the romantic world. She talks about how little girls, like to us it seems like all of a sudden sometimes when girls start dating, but to them it feels like we've been shown since day one, you know, what it looks like to play house and to get go to weddings and be married and all of this type of thing. And so all of a sudden we're getting that opportunity to kind of dip our toe in those waters and that's exciting to them and they feel like they've been waiting forever for that to happen whereas we look at it as brand new um other questions that she mentions asking she definitely says try to pose general and neutral questions like not like kind of like what i'm saying as far as why are we doing it this way like what does that mean to you yet not like you can't do that why are you doing it that way you know that type of thing um, other questions that she asks, how does a girl let a boy know if she wants to go out with him? What if a girl gets asked by, by someone she doesn't want to date? Like asking them questions, and so many of these questions are so much more effective if you ask them before girls are in the situation. And that applies across the board to all the seven strands. Anything that you can talk about in a very neutral and calm way prior to a girl experiencing what it is you're talking about, 
the better because they have a much more level head about it at that point. They are less connected. They are not emotionally invested in the answers quite yet and gives them just some food for thought and some processing time before they are confronted with these issues. Um, she talks about how a lot of girls will end up crushing on famous people and becoming obsessed with someone famous and she actually is like encouraging that. She's like, go for it because that is never going to happen and it's a healthy outlet for their desire to enter the romantic world without all of the other baggage that comes with it. Um, girls are influenced, like it or not, girls are influenced constantly by what the world and the culture and their friends and magazines and Instagram and whatever says a romantic relationship should look like or what they should look like in a romantic relationship. And this is again why it's so important that we get ahead of that narrative, be inside of that narrative, help them evaluate that narrative. So she talks about asking questions or even saying things like when she sees a TV show where the women are not being treated well saying, you know, I don't think this is an appropriate way for them to treat women or portray women and I don't really want that in our home or in our minds as the way that this should be and asking, you know, her daughter to turn off the show and things like that. So, and sometimes it's, you know, it's it's laying down a rule like that. Other times it might be like, hmm, what do you think they're trying to tell women through this ad? What do you think they're trying to produce? And just making girls critical thinkers about the culture in which they live and the expectations, particularly when it applies to romantic relationships, but really all the time, right? Uh, she hits on an interesting study about girls and their self-esteem that I won't go into depth about, but ultimately girls who are concerned about their appearance do not perform as well academically and otherwise when they are feeling self-conscious about how they look. And that's just a scientific study. And so it's a part of how they build their self-esteem and how we help them understand who they are as a whole person, not just a body, not just a in, a, in the context of a relationship, but as a whole healthy um, girl. Let's see, the last thing that I just wanna to mention to you is this amazing, uh, what I think is an amazing uh, metaphor. So in chapter one, she uses this metaphor about uh, the pool and how your your daughter's life is a pool and you're the side and all of those types of things. If you didn't if you didn't catch it, it's a great one. Please go back to that episode and check it out. I think it's episode two of this series. Um, girls really want to act like grown-ups though, but she talks about when she thinks of girls and their self-esteem. She pictures a lake, like a huge lake, and that ideally has many tributaries flowing into it. So tributaries are rivers and fresh water and different types of sources for that lake. And so she's talking about this huge lake and then all of the rivers that come into it in different ways. And so the the lake is their self-esteem, but the rivers are all the different avenues for self-esteem. And so she talks about how a girl that is really strong academically, but uh, loses out on 
maybe the varsity squad for volleyball is disappointed because that sports tributary kind of dried up for a minute, but then she gets an A in her science test and that extra influx of self-esteem from the academic side kind of makes up for what didn't happen in the sports side or this, that, or the other. And so she talks about social, social tributaries and sports tributaries and volunteering tributaries and family relationships. And so all the things for a daughter's self-esteem that are in this lake, but all the tributaries that could be flowing in to help that. And one of those is the romantic world. And sometimes, and I believe that this is something that was huge for me, I put way too much stock in the entering the romantic world tributary. Like if someone liked me and had a romantic interest in me, then I felt like I had so much more self-esteem, so much more confidence, so much more energy to do all the things. And if someone broke up with me or if I found out my crush didn't like me or anything like that, my self-esteem plummeted. Even though I had strong academics and a decent social life, it was the romantic world one that I put the most stock in. And so one of the things that we get to do as parents that I think is really important, again, as much as we can do this before they enter the romantic world, is make sure that they have as many tributaries turned on as possible that are feeding them. So when one of them kind of gets turned off or doesn't or dries up a little bit, that they still have several sources to feed and encourage their self-esteem. And this doesn't mean overscheduling them. It just means making sure that they have strong family relationships, strong social relationships, maybe a volunteer outlet, maybe, because not all girls are gonna be amazing in academics, but maybe if they're not super strong in academics, maybe they have some sort of art or music or theater or sports or something, you know? So it's, and not everybody's good at sports. Like I wasn't good at sports. That was not my tributary at all. That was a constant source of dried up self-esteem. Even just having to play volleyball and PE was pretty horrible for me. So that is, I just love that metaphor and thinking about that. And when you see certain parts of their tributaries drying up, when you see certain avenues drying up, like they were up for a promotion at their part-time job and they didn't get it, or they applied for seven jobs and didn't get the one that they wanted, um, that you're making sure that the other sources of self-esteem are being fed during those times. So I just love that metaphor. Uh, the biggest risk factor she talks about, and this is a really great chapter to read, especially if your daughter is starting in, you know, starting into that romantic world. And I have several clients who actually claim that they never want to date, never want to get married. And who knows, that may be true. Uh, but I think that it's still important to have a sense and an understanding of what this looks like, just in case they change their minds. Uh, but the biggest thing that she talks about is that girls do, in general, socially and developmentally mature faster than boys, as we have heard pretty much our entire lives. And sometimes that leads girls to want to date older guys. And so she kind of lays a general guideline that anyone that's dating someone two years or more older than them, that might be a time to worry and to think about how you would approach that. And so you might want to, again, talk ahead of time, like what would be appropriate for dating? Like, is it appropriate for my freshman daughter to date a senior in high school? Um, it's not a hard and fast rule that they can't, obviously, but if you can have those conversations ahead of time and definitely uh, thinking about your child if they're hanging out with adults only, if they're not hanging out with people that are age appropriate for them, 
that could be a time to worry and something you might want to think about. So all of these things just trying to get ahead of them. But ultimately, it's a very normal part of development. It's something that is going to happen eventually, whether we like it or not. And the sooner we can talk to our girls about it and have a sense of what and they can have a sense of what they want and we know that they have a sense of what they want the more comfortable we can feel with it i'm going to leave you on this note with her that sh this is from page 219 in her book girls who come to know and stick up for their inner compasses have the happiest romantic lives of all if they date they date people they like and who treat them with respect and they are the girls who are most likely to have ultimately a happy life because they know how to choose the partners that they want so uh, helping them to do that is super important. There are a lot of things she talks about as far as helping girls have the words and the confidence to say what they want when approached with different situations, whether they're in a romantic relationship or they're being asked into a romantic relationship. And so it's a really great chapter to read. So I hope that you take the time to do that. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Hey everyone, thanks for listening again today. We are done with six of the seven chapters of Untangled, and so I will be coming at you soon with the seventh and final chapter. I hope this has been a helpful discussion of Lisa Demore's Untangled that helps you to understand your daughter more and also be able to create a lifelong relationship with her that is healthy and positive and growing. Until next time, go choose your thoughts, create your life, and change the world. Mm -hmm.